Technology is the ultimate force multiplier. It can act as a leverage to get things done much faster, cheaper, better, and more efficiently than you would sans it. A tech nerd, someone who likes to break things, loves solving problems, or simply a curious learner. Welcome to the One Byte at a Time podcast, or simply the Byte Show. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Byte Show. I'm Akhil Varyani, the co-host uh, of the podcast and with me I have yet another time for the third time in the row, Sladen News. Welcome back Sladen. You're still in yes, lockdown. How is it going? Yeah, we're still in lockdown. It's been amazing for so, for so long. I'm feeling like I'm pumped up today because we're talking about an interesting topic. Yeah. So yeah, yeah so, it feels good to be back. Exactly. It feels really good to be back and today we have a very, very interesting topic actually and uh, uh, so before we start with the topic, uh, let me congratulate you first on bagging uh, this year's Google Summer of Code uh, Jenkins project, right? So congrats oh, to you yes. once again. Yes, yes, <laughs> Congratulations. So, so Sladen uh, uh, will be working on uh, this project on Jenkins for, uh, for the next two, three months or so. So I guess, I hope you're available for further episodes if I need you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to be here. Okay. So let's begin with the... Uh, topic for today. So I, I had taken actually a, a, a small poll, not a poll, there was a quick question on my Instagram uh, a couple of weeks back when I mentioned that we're going to talk about one of the most hottest topics, uh, sorry, hottest consumer products right now, right? Um, especially when it comes to digital and content. And uh, yeah, a few of them really got it uh, spot on. We're going to talk about Netflix today. Um, today and we're talking about uh, the topic uh, which is called as how to design like a scientist right and uh, we're taking netflix as a case study uh, because of its unique uh, design uh, the way uh, the scientific approach that they use to design their product and it's really really fascinates me and and before i even talk about the design you know i mean to, during this covid 19 situation lockdown we know that the, the daily active users and the, all these numbers have shot up not just in india across but also across the globe right uh, there's there's a huge loads of content across all pla- across all languages all genres on on platforms various ott platforms and netflix is obviously uh, one of the best ones out there in terms of quality of content and quality of user experience uh, in, uh, when we talk about digital consumer pl- platforms and ott platforms so okay so uh, so before okay so let's start actually and uh, uh, let's take this in a q and a format i think you had a few questions and uh, let me answer a few of them because i've done some research uh, on them. So yeah, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. So we're going to we're going to be doing a Q and A session, and that's going to be the format for this podcast. So yeah, let me fire away. So talking using the Netflix product, you immediately notice that the design of the is very and it's quite easy and quite intuitive to use. So, but there's a lot of scientific approach and a lot of designing goes into making the UI so good and so uh, intuitive. First of all, I'm going to ask you, um, can you tell us more about the product design of Netflix and what kind of approach they use, the scientific approach and um, how they go about it? So can you tell us sure. more about that? 
Sure, sure. So uh, this is all from what I've researched because I was really fascinated about their product. Uh, I have seen a couple of videos, read a few blogs, and uh, let me begin with what the scientific approach looks like, right? So uh, let me go back to history. We talk about Galileo, right? Galileo was a 16th century Italian scientist, uh, and science back then was mostly a philosophy, right? It was backed by intuition and whatever you saw, you thought was true among a lot of people. You've, you kind of considered that true, right? So he kind of thought uh, and he put forward this theory, right? That if you are, let's say, throwing a 20 pound stone and a one pound stone at the same time from the same height. Uh, and he did that actually, did that small experiment by going up to the Tower of Pisa. And uh, he threw Buddha stones uh, and he thought obviously the 20 pound stone will fall much faster. But um, I mean, he was completely wrong. I mean, uh, the thing is that... Uh, uh, when this experiment was carried out in a vacuum chamber, right? When all the air was completely taken out and there was this huge metal ball, heavy ball, and then you had a very thin light feather. Both were dropped in that vacuum chamber and both of them actually uh, fall at the same time. So these are some of the experiments that were carried out, but it was there was no real uh, scientific hypothesis which had to be proved right using some data and uh, things like that. But today, even Netflix uh, in this era uses a lot of science. It collects a lot of behavioral data. It collects a lot of user data and learns from real insights, right? So they kind of have a real, ex really good experimentation culture. And that experimentation culture gives room for a lot of creative, crazy, and really innovative ideas. Like there's a lot of room for carrying out so many experiments, so many uh, uh, creative features in the product that they're able to come up with such amazing customer experiences. So the scientific method is kind of generally the reliable way of how uh, to understand how the world works, right? And that's what they actually incorporate in their designs. You might think, oh, it's a very simple way to do it. It's just designs UI. But actually, it's very, very, very uh, sophisticated. It's very scientific. In fact, they follow this three rule, three point rule of hypothesis experiment and then the result so your hypothesis is basically an assumption that you think intuitively might be true or it might be false right so put forward that as a statement and then you carry out a series of experiments to test out that hypothesis right and after those experiments you get the result in which you are able to understand from the data that you get whether the hypothesis is true or false now in fact in product design product management if you disprove the hypothesis it's even better because you save a lot of time on actually not building that kind of design. So you kind of understand what does not work versus what works. So it gives you a lot more learning, right? In fact, obviously, if you prove it right, it's definitely great to deeply explore that kind, that particular hypothesis and go deeper into that. So yeah, that, that was a basic idea of the scientific approach uh, that Netflix kind of uses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a crazy insight uh, we, you know, I never thought that as a, a product, they could, you know, the approach to designing something could be so scientific. I mean, as new developers, we just go when we're designing product yeah. or when we're designing any sort of a project, we just, you know, jump in and like, you know, make some mock-ups and then show it to people and say, you know, this is how it's. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but then when you go to see such amazing products, you realize the kind of approach and the kind of thing that they use to, you know, uh, hmm. come up with. Uh, come up with an you know design yep. uh, the interface. Um, so yeah, that was that was more about the product design and science. The entire episode uh, is up ahead. 
so there is something called as ab testing and yep. uh, netflix uses it uh, to test out most of its uh, user interfaces as exactly. to which user interface should get rolled out yep. so can you tell us more about that since you've done of uh, yep. yeah, research. So A-B testing, uh, for those of you who uh, have been hearing it for the first time, it's basically uh, you have uh, you have two hypotheses. Basically, you have test A, you have test B, and you kind of compare uh, the two of them together. So uh, it's only two tests, uh, two hypotheses at a time. And that's uh, really today's mo the most efficient way to carry out these kind of tests, especially if you have a certain user base with you. Now, if you do not have, that's another uh, topic. We'll talk about that. So right now with A-B testing, Netflix actually has almost about a 95% confidence limit. And by that, what I mean is that unless uh, these experiments do not pass a certain 95% uh, success rate in terms of testing out their hypothesis, you know, whether it's true, or false. So if it's 95% uh, probable that it's true, if it's not, they do not go ahead with that hypothesis and testing it out further. So that's, that, that's how high the standards are. So uh, these are kind of controlled experiences that they carry out over millions of people. And obviously Netflix has a huge customer base. So they have the liberty to run it on millions of people. So what they do is basically they run tests, right? So they have something what we call as a control experiment, right? Uh, for example, you have a hypothesis and the hypothesis goes as that uh, example, personalization would leave, lead to more subscription retainment from users, right? So they have this control experiment and then they run a few variations along the way. They tweak a few design changes, they put, uh, uh, do something slightly different, slightly uh, uh, different from the control experiment. And then you run some variation, one, two, three X variations, right? And the, this method actually is very, very unbiased. Since a set of people getting a specific variation, let's say a beta test or any, any, anything that you want to call it, they do not know about the other experiences directly. They're not aware of what is happening to the other set of users, obviously, unless they interact together, but directly within the app, you cannot test out. That's a highly unbiased way. And that's, that's why it's very, very popular today. So you can try out various big scale creative ideas, right? You could do some huge changes within those variations, or you could just do simple changes as changing the pixels, right? The basic UI pixel level changes. And after running those experiments, uh, you kind of pick the winner at the end of the day based on some parameters, some metric, uh, data driven metric. And after uh, you kind of pick the winner, you are able to understand this, okay, this variation or this control experiment is what you should go forward with. So uh, generally, so the hypothesis is that more customer satisfaction. So eventually when you get more customer satisfaction, it leads to more subscription retainment. So then what happens is when you get the winner, that winner becomes your new default control experiment for the next test, right? So that winner will replace the original control experiment. And then you have further sets of variations and you keep on iterating over iterating these designs over future tests. So basically, uh, this is kind of thinking of product development as a series of experiments, which ultimately leads to stronger designs. That's the philosophy behind AB testing. Now, of course, uh, for A-B testing, you definitely need a lot of engineering infrastructure. You need design infrastructure. You need a lot of customers, right? Uh, I mean, with the just a few hundreds of customers, it's very difficult to carry out. Or even if you can carry out, it's very difficult to 
you know, uh, sample it to a larger audience, right? But it, it definitely is a way of thinking, design, design thinking, a way of philosophy, kind of you can say, which can be very, very structurally, very, very methodically used in your designs to make them much more uh, stronger and much more efficient. So that's the general idea about how A-B testing works and it looks like, yeah. Yeah, so that was some amazing insight, you know, on A-B testing and the way, you know, it's it's done. Um, actually, you know, uh, designing product and, you know, testing it out among yep. an audience, a select few audience is such an innovative way of determining, yeah. uh, you know, you know, you can actually do that, you know, when you're designing some small projects, you know, you design three, four UIs and then show it to people and then they say, okay, this UI is better, that UI is better. It's just the same thing. But it's been given a name and it's been done, you know, with mm. a winner and a confidence bias yep. and a sort of scientific approach. Yep. So if you go to see, it's actually the same thing, but it's been done in a more controlled and more um, sophisticated manner because obviously there's a, it is at scale, it's not just a few guys who are, you know, Absolutely. who will show it to one. Yeah, mm. so that's very, very interesting. So actually, the next question would be um, how do you go about developing that hypothesis and what kind of approaches does Netflix use when they are, you know, testing it out? Sure. So uh, when you talk about hypothesis from what I've seen, there are two approaches to this. It's either you talk about a qualitative approach or a quantitative approach. So let's start with a qualitative part of it. Uh, the first thing that you could do is uh, when you, you could actually go out to the people, reach, reach out to them, uh, talk to various cultures, various ethnographies of people. It's the, the, the term that we use is ethnography, actually. So you understand various, various nuances in their culture. And it's done on very specific people, targeted people, like maybe two or three people in a specific community. And then you go to a different community, you understand different nuances of the culture, talk to two, three more people. The other way of doing it uh, is you uh, focus on certain groups called focus groups and you perform usability testing uh, in the sense that you actually show them usable prototypes for them to use. And then you ask them certain questions after they use those prototypes to better understand their behavior and their preferences about how they use that prototype. So that's done on a slightly larger number, maybe let's say five to 10 or maybe 20 people at a time. And the third way to do might be uh, carrying out large scale surveys. That could be any sort of online surveys or forms or any anything even within the app that if the, if the app is live or in a beta stage, you could carry out that kind of a test online. And that obviously caters to a larger audience, maybe thousands to five thousands, ten thousands of people. Right. But then obviously that will have a lot of opinions. They will have a lot of biases. But since it's a larger audience that can be safely sampled and it can be said, you know, okay, it's a sample representation of a larger population, right? Now, uh, we, when you talk about quantitative analysis, uh, that's actually getting much more popular today. Despite that, of course, Netflix, uh, from what I've heard, they very much value their qualitative analysis because they are right in contact with the customers, right? Uh, the right in contact with the people that they watch. So they definitely need to have that intuitive human aspect alive in their product design. But having said that, obviously, qualitative analysis is your data science, data-driven approach where you kind of study a lot of trends in data. You uh, drive insights using numbers, using various metrics, using machine learning, artificial intelligence, predictions, and whatnot, right? Uh, but the problem with this is sometimes that it does not help you in understanding what hypothesis to run, when, and which hypothesis uh, 
what data relates to which hypothesis basically so that's very difficult for example if you talk about the number of people using tvs in a particular demo, uh, demographic versus number of people using phones in a particular demographic to watch your content or which type of content is used is is, is uh, viewed in which particular format how would you kind of improve the customer experience using that i mean it's just data but what hypothesis are you testing what in what way are you solving their pain points or a problem so that's the major problem with that but you can definitely uh, kind of uh, quantify a lot of uh, a lot of assumptions that you were uh, kind of making qualitatively you can kind of validate them you know using this kind of an approach so basically uh, that's uh, you kind of run an experiments you do ab testing and of course it's an unbiased way of observation and what it does is it reveals the non intuitive things about human behavior which kind of help improve the product and help improve the design it's very non intuitive so oh, we often say that observe people what they do you know not what they say and because most most of the time most of the times the two often don't correlate right so kind of these qualitative quantitative they match the two and they help you validate each other it's kind of two sides of the same coin so that's a uh, netflix uh, i think they do a fantastic job of balancing the both both of them so that's that's the few methods that i've uh, yeah. learned about uh, the different approaches of hypothesis testing so yeah 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 that's that's actually the two qualitative and quantitative mm. very very interesting mm. uh, hypothesis of testing actually and talking about listening to customers you know i'm not going to go off topic but even one plus yep. uh, with their phone market and okay. the way they do it they also listen to customers i mean don't do such things as ab testing and stuff maybe they do we don't i don't know much about it but yeah they are one company that you know loves to listen to the customers because you know the customers are the people drive uh, i mean who are uh, impacted by whatever product you built and they yeah. understand that you know to build a really good quality product you got to get constant feedback from user base so their forums are pretty active and you know you have some developers even chatting to um customers to know what kind of wants and what kind of features they are expecting in upcoming phones and they try and include them that's what has made it so successful within the price range that it mm-hmm. so yeah mm-hmm. that's not going off topic coming back to the topic so okay now that you explain to the user uh, to our audience about what is the approach what is ab testing and what are the different approaches um you would like to illustrate would you like to illustrate that fact by giving some example and yeah. i know you have some really interesting examples of how they Uh, do it so you know this is the most interesting segment of the uh, uh, podcast yeah so, yeah a couple of them not uh, much really but one of them was as i said before uh, is that the hypothesis was that um, if you personalize the content right uh, for specific users you are able to retain more subscriptions right and that hypothesis was pretty much tested out fairly well and it it kind of ran as the winner so uh netflix decided to go ahead both qualitatively and quantitatively it was proven to be the winner and they eventually went ahead with personalized recommendations for each of the users based on a lot of factors based on geography based on uh uh the kind of content they like the genres and the previous content they watched things like that right and uh, that was one uh, very simple basic thing that you know about netflix the other thing was uh this was a question which uh, was kind of an hypothesis was when they were designing designing the home page of the product uh the main principal product designer product manager actually uh asked they asked this to their team is that what one thing would you like to know more about before signing up for netflix right if someone is new what is the one thing they want to know before signing up so uh after carrying out this right research they they got uh, they got to know that 46% of the 
of the audience, right? 46% of the audience wanted to know what exactly is the content that includes all your movie movies and TV shows and things like that. So they, their design kind of evolved from only showing content. Once you sign up to not showing the entire content catalog before you can sign up. So the hypothesis then became that more people would sign up in that case. That is when you show the entire content catalog. But again, that was not fairly true. Now I'll tell you uh, how it evolved, right? So there was some qualitative research done on the homepage, right? You had a control experiment where you had the sign up page, you had this content catalog. In one case, you had absolutely no content catalog. You just had the sign up page. In one case, you have had just the just a few examples of it. And in one case, you had a lot of examples, things like that. You have various prototypes and they ran about five AB tests, right? Uh, so what happened was, uh, in a case where there was an entire content catalog, it felt too cluttered, right? Like they had to look for a specific title and eventually it became a case where people, unless they found a specific title of a movie or a TV series, they found, if they did not find that, they would just not sign up, right? And that was not pretty good. So uh, that was actually the control experiment, right? The control experiment was where they had no content. It was no content at all. It was just a sign up page. And then there were various uh, variations of those pages where they had some sort of content or some sort of ability to search for that content. And surprisingly, very, very non-intuitively, the winner was, guess what? The control experiment itself, which had absolutely no content on the page. Now that was really, really surprising. But then what they understood from various other quantitative methods also is that they realized they had to put a mixture of both random content Right, random content. By, by by that I mean, you know, today when you go to the homepage, you have a background which kind of fades in and blends in with the sign up button and the logo, where it shows you specific titles, right? But you can't go into them to see the trailers or see more information about it, or you can't even search for specific content. But the content that you see is enough for you to be compelled to sign up. It it tells you what is there, but it does not show, it only shows you what is necessary so that it compels you to sign up. And that is highly personalized, right? That's very, very personalized uh, based on your region, your intent data. They do a lot of intent data research. They do social listening tools. They do reverse IP tunneling, cookies on a browser, things like that. And at the same time, it does not bog down to the user to find that specific content. You know, key, if I have this content only, then I'll sign up. So that's a fantastic way of coming up with a final product design right now. And, and probably over the years, it might still evolve, right? But basically, even if you can't run AB testing like this, even on small digital prototypes that you're building for your products, you need to understand what behaviors you observe in, in, in the people who are using that. What insights can you draw using a very scientific methodical approach to this product design problem? What kind of problems are you solving using design is what you need to see while, while approaching such problems. So these are some of the examples. And one more was very, very interesting was the forward backward buttons asymmetry, right? So when, you have the 10 second forward, 10 second backward, forward rewind button. It's actually not 10, 10. It's 13 second backward, eight second forward. So, uh, that's on the back end. What you see on the front end is 10, 10. But on the back end, 13 seconds is what it rewinds to since it does not want you to, you know, miss out anything backwards. And it only forwards eight seconds uh, because it, you know, it kind of wants to balance that um, the, the backward 13 seconds. So that's how they look at it on the back end. It's very, very interesting, right? So these were some of the examples that I've seen, I've heard about. There are a lot many, but uh, it's not, I don't think we have that much time to, uh, you know, discuss all of them, definitely. So yeah, that, that's what that, yeah, that's that, about. That, <laughs> yeah, that was actually some interesting 
um, examples there of how the homepage, you know, you don't, uh, it did not make a difference whether you included the, you know, whether you showed the users a particular, uh, I mean, catalog of the shows available. Yeah, because yeah. then the user just goes searching for that particular <laughs> show inside yeah. the catalog. You know, even I do the same, you know, if, if mm-hmm. anyone, if any of the platforms, like even Prime, I guess, they provide me with a, they provide you with the catalog before you sign in. So mm. when you sign in, I guess you get to see uh, things are uh, available. So yeah, and then I go in and I keep on searching for the thing that I'm looking for. And then eventually I don't even get, end up buying the subscription. So yeah, so <laughs> actually it did not make a difference. And yeah, controlled experiment, you know, won the uh, test. So yeah, that was actually some interesting uh, approaches and some examples at Netflix. So that concludes actually all of the questions from my side and yeah. it, it has some, and you provided some really, really good insights on, you know, the product design, the scientific approach and what kind of hypothesis, the approaches yeah. and uh, the examples in the end, you know, so yeah, yeah, really, really good, really good insight. Well, yeah, that was, that was fun for me also to research on this. It's a very interesting topic. A lot of people should actually research a few of these amazing uh, product based uh, companies who are who really work on that design right it's very interesting it's a very interesting topic hopefully we'll cover a few more products and case studies like this you know in the f- upcoming episodes it's a very fun topic for for me to discuss as well so i think yeah that's that's about that that kind of uh, wraps up our third episode it's short and sweet but really really i hope that was really insightful uh, so for all of you guys listening this is the bite show uh, please do visit our instagram page instagram.com slash bite by bit all the links to all major platforms uh, available that includes Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a host of others. Uh, thanks for listening to us patiently. Thank you, Slayden, for being once again uh, a great, uh, you know, question. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Asking some really great questions on this. And uh, it was a pleasure from my side. We hope to see you in the next episode. Hopefully next week we'll do yes. much more regular episodes. Till then, uh, see you guys. Stay safe. Stay sane and definitely uh, keep hustling one bite at a time. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is the Bite Show, your ultimate force multiplier. Brought to you by Akhil Variani and Sladen Nunes.